hello there and welcome back to Seed Stories. We are your hosts Zeke Greenside and Tom Klinkhammer. On this program, we'll showcase a different seed variety through stories, seed saving techniques, history, and providing unique interviews with passionate seed savers from across the world. And without further ado, this week's seed is... Field Pea! Field Pea, or Pisum sativum, is a native crop of Southwest Asia and was among the first crops cultivated by humans. Wild field pea can still be found in Afghanistan, Iran, and Ethiopia. This amazing crop has been growing a long time in the United States, and historically, field pea was one of Wisconsin's best-paying cash crops. Now I'll be speaking with Steve Zwinger. He's a research specialist in the agronomy program at the North Dakota State University Carenting Research Extension Center, where he has worked in field crops research for over 28 years. His current research interests include crop production and variety evaluation in organic environments, annual forage production for both hang and grazing, cover crops, and alternative crop research. I work, uh, I work at the NDSU Carrington Research Extension Center, and that's in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And North Dakota, one of the things unique about it is a very diverse climate where we can grow many different kind of crops, and particularly the field crops. And one of them that uh, has moved into the state and has been well adapted in the last 20 years it has been field peas, that would be dry field peas. Mm-hmm. Dry field peas used to be grown in the Pacific Northwest and there's still some production there but you know production moved to North Dakota and the farmers adapted to that crop quite well and it, and it became a, a good crop for them and particularly because it's a legume so it fixes nitrogen and it really complements um, small grains in the rotation meaning small grains like wheat, barley, oats, durum and, and so it has a good fit particularly in the state where it's grown in like western North Dakota and actually uh, the acres are they're down now but it actually North Dakota actually leads the nation in dry field pea production and so you know we many times we think you know we think of peas obviously we're thinking of fresh garden peas which it's the same you know same species and stuff but they're, these are slightly different to where they're harvested mature and they don't shrivel like a like the fresh peas do and so they then are harvested with a combine and dried and, and then they can be used for a number of different things but you know we're probably most familiar with them as green split peas mm-hmm. so we have green peas and yellow peas both and they are used for for human food quite a bit you know again as a dried pea lately they've been using them uh, you probably ate in food with them that where they're actually fractionating them and making pea flour and that's become quite popular and and, and used quite a bit particularly if people have some you know gluten sensitivities or other things and so pea flour is a, is a is a pretty good product and then and has a market share but they also can be used a lot and they make an actually an excellent livestock feed one of the things that i do at my research position is i do organic research and field peas are one of the crops that i really feel good about particularly because they're they're well adapted to an organic environment since they are a legume they fix nitrogen and this will then really be you know complement that that farming system as we don't use synthetic fertilizers in there a lot of the reasons why they have some popularity again because it's fairly high protein we average about 25 percent 26 percent protein on them readily wow. available um, and, and and livestock really do well on them one of the unique things that the facility i work at also has some some beef cattle and, and some research was done where 
the, the cattle in the latter part of their life were finished on, on field peas. And the interesting thing about it was, and they call it like pea-fed beef, is that a number of studies and taste tests were done with them, and it really makes uh, an excellent, for some reason it shows up in the taste and it really has mm. a good taste. So pea-fed beef is kind of something that oh. people are looking for a little bit, you know, particularly on some of the animals that we would, would do research on and finish. It was kind of a demand thing. So just kind of a unique aspect yeah. of it, you know, the pea-fed beef. Did you but taste any of that uh, Yeah, it, it did taste good. It was What's tender. flavor? It was tender and had, had a good flavor to it. Yeah. So. Um, you know, and again, uh, I don't think it was just in people's mind because there was some, some, some research that actually was done with, you know, so it was an, just an interesting aspect of it. Yep. But one thing that really works well about peas is um, they come off early. So, you know, you harvest them quite early. So it's a chance to then use your field for putting in a late season cover crop mm -hmm. or um, on our research farm also um, as we raise seed. Again, in to raise quality seed, we're taking them fairly wet, and so you see a little bit of a harvest loss with them. And so we have a fair amount of volunteers, and if we get moisture, we can get some substantial growth um, by the time you know we get into September. Uh, sometimes actually enough that they start flowering again. You know, not that we can produce another crop, but we then at times will turn our livestock in and graze those. Mm -hmm. So they do make an excellent cover crop also. So they're really multi, you know, very versatile. Mm -hmm. you know? And the peas that we're raising now, if we're not familiar, I'm not, they're not quite like our garden peas where they're a viney type thing that can climb and stuff. The, the commercial peas are what they call a semi-leafless type. And so after they get a little bit bigger, they quit growing leaves and just grow tendrils. Mm. And so they stand up much better, making them much easier to harvest. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of plant breeding has went in to improve that and make superior varieties. Right. How tall do um, your plants get? It, or what's it, the ideal? Uh, uh, again, it will depend upon the moisture situation. Mm -hmm. And again, even though the semi-leafless types stand up well, they can still, you know, lodge slightly at harvest time, so they can go, you know, a little bit lower. But, but generally, the peas are off the ground well, and uh, the farmers usually will straight cut them. Sometimes can swath them, but most of the time are straight cutting them. They will get about three feet tall, mm -hmm. and and most with most pods at the top of the plant, mm -hmm. and you know, they harvest really well. And yeah, a really adapted crop. So yeah, I'm kind of excited about peas mm -hmm. and helping develop them and and helping them moving in into uh, organic farmers' um, lineup of seeds. So on the uh, research station, are you trialing different varieties or lines? Yep. Or? Yep. yep. Um, in in our research station, under both conventional and organic, we're evaluating them, and oh, at times we could have up to you know released varieties, and we're testing experimental lines also mm -hmm. then to determine which ones can become you know that are superior, and then will become named varieties. But at times we can we maybe have up to a hundred different cultivars or varieties in, in in our in our research tests. And these are self-pollinating. Yep, they're so self. Never have to worry about crossing. No, they're not cross-pollinated. It's just like yeah, peas are peas are self-pollinated. Yep. Mm -hmm. And and another thing too that makes them a desirable uh, livestock feed, particularly in the organic environment, is they're they're a non-GMO, high-protein feed source that does not need to be um, heat extruded or anything like like a soybean would. Mm -hmm. So they you know basically they're just ground or, and, and, and fed well, that way and, and, and readily available. What is that method for the soybean? You know, soybeans, a lot of times they refer to them as heat extruded, you know, because soybean isn't available. And that's what's nice about a field pea is it's it's readily available with minimal processing. They're basically either grinding it or... Or just cracking it. Cracking yeah. it. 
And then again, you know, like again, where when you you could buy your dry peas in your store or at your co-op, you know, and and for the most part, you'll usually see split green peas. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are yellow peas too that are used for human food, but most of them that we use, you know, green pea soup and stuff like that. Usually, it's the green type. Are there any places that are uh, selling the local peas that farmers are growing in North Dakota? Well, that's an interesting question that you, you bring up. You know, um, one of the things I've seen a little bit at, at a, sometimes at some farmers markets, sometimes somebody will put mm -hmm. them in, in, you know, in a one pound bag or something like that and sell them. You know, again, farmers directly marketing, whether it's through CSAs or farmers market, it would be an excellent crop to extend your season mm -hmm. of being able to market local foods because again they, these are dried and so it's like a dried bean and it'll, it'll store and just basically you know soak them or whatever once you want to start eating them so mm -hmm. it, it could really well complement you know your sales as a, as a small-scale farmer direct marketing to your, your eaters you could sell them to people that have livestock or cattle yeah yeah I would use uh, soaked peas to feed my hogs a lot yeah, it would, and, and it would, milk or whey. Sometimes. Yep, that would that would be an excellent way to do it. Yeah, you know, to feed, you know, soak them like that. And that way, you, if you're again maybe small scale or whatever, and yeah, don't have super equipment, small scale, yeah. the five gallon buckets. The easiest way to do it would be soaking them. Yep, yep. and they would they would be good good uh, readily available then. Yeah, that's really high uh, protein. 26 percent. Yep. Some of the Is lines that, actually, yeah. you know, I mean, at times they can get they can be higher, but that's probably the average. Yeah, um, you know, protein is in that 25 percent. You know, that's the wow. easiest number to use. And I'm not quite sure now, but there is talk, and and then there will probably the the buyers of peas. And again, this is you know buying the field scale stuff. Are they're very interested in in start to pay protein premiums for them, and so researchers and, and seed developers are starting to look at ways to increase the protein mm -hmm. or develop varieties that have higher protein because there's, it's. Uh, to my understanding, it, it went to raise the protein a couple percent. It's it's going to be yeah. uh, on a on a on a decent yielding field. Will will net uh, maybe twenty dollars more from what some of the people are seeing. So you know, protein is going to become an issue now with peas as. Is that, yeah. This is just becoming established, much like protein is with when you sell when farmers sell hardwood spring wheat. You know, sometimes there's protein premiums or discounts if the protein is too low. You know, and yeah. I'm sure they'll set the system up the same. You know, with with discounts if you don't meet whatever their their right. baseline is. You know, yeah. But it does sound like you know higher protein is going to be the thing that the industry is going to be looking for. Is that something you think uh, the organic market can take advantage of? Uh, higher protein, or do you think that's just peas all around? Well, it'll be all around in both. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I don't understand um, from some of my tests, and and one a couple of the seedsmen made the comment to me here, um, and I don't know why, but for some reason, uh, we seem to be getting higher protein in the organic environment, the organic mm. tests. That's that's a plus, you know, yeah. for the organic farmer. Yeah. So the same genetics and different. The same varieties, same, same farm but different farming system. You know? mm. What was uh, the major differences, uh, herbicide, chemical? Yeah, well, the, the others would be raised in, in a conventional setting, you know, mm -hmm. to where, yes, it could, you know, the ground that would have commercial fertilizers on it or, or using herbicides. Mm. Whereas in organic, obviously, we don't use, you know, we don't, we don't use herbicides and particularly synthetic commercial fertilizers. There are approved fertilizers in organic. I, I don't use any in, in the organic right. piece. Basically, you just make sure you inoculate, uh, inoculate them with the proper 
bacteria, mm -hmm. and then we get nitrogen fixation, you know, pulling nitrogen out of the air mm -hmm. through from the roots. And, and so um, that's what really makes it a great crop, and that's why I think it's important in a rotation and for organic farmers as, you know, nitrogen is one of the things that they don't use, typically synthetic fertilizer, you know. Right. And um, just a way to pull more nitrogen out of the air, and mm -hmm. which then, you know, makes better crop yields, and then we'll leave more nitrogen to a certain extent for our crop the next year. So on that test, uh, was the trial that was grown on the organic system, was that organic certified land that yes. had been? Yep. Oh wow, yeah. Yep. So that kind of gives it even more of yep. a point. Then. And that, that's the one thing we decided to do at our research facility. And we're not selling any of the product off of it, you know, it's research. Mm -hmm. But it was decided that, you know, if we're going to be accredited to have, say, we have cert, uh, organic land, we're going to go and certify it just as an organic farmer would be. So, it, you know, it's right. relative. And so, yes, it's certified. Yeah. The particular field that I'm talking about has not had any synthetic inputs since 2004. So we've got, we're getting a history of organic uh, production on that wow. land. Any theories on why the protein was... I don't More know. Available or yeah, so yeah, I'm glad you say theory. Um, one of the pieces of persons that even mentioned it, it says maybe it's something to do with the biology. You know, uh, again, we're just learning a lot about soil health and soil biology. You know, mm -hmm. and um, to have a diverse set of uh, microorganisms in the soil is is the new frontier, and that's what's really starting to drive the whole soil health movement. And that's happening both across organic and conventional. Um, production. No, I, I don't really know the reason why, but I think it has something to do with biology that I can't really explain. And it, would, and I, it actually would be something interesting to look into, and I probably would need to partner up with other people, yeah. you know, mostly microbiologists or something, to, to quantify that. Yeah. What, what's happening on that, you know. I th I th it's a neat observation, and I know I made it myself, and I didn't really talk about it a lot, but when some of the industry people were noticing it, well, then I go, it must be kind of real, you know. I mean, yeah. and that's the thing we always have to be careful in science because I'm comparing that across an, a trial across the farm, you know, which is set up equal, you know. So right. true science would say you'd, you'd set up studies. You'd repeat it three or four times. And, and then also in years. the same field. But that takes a long time, you know, because yeah. there isn't a lot of, as we all well know, there isn't a lot of side-by-side long-term land or experiments in the country. Rodale is, uh, has the claim to have the, the, the longest long-term study that compares no-till and organic. So again, we're just kind of comparing across systems on the farm, which is still, I think, relative. Obviously not publishable. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but I think it's a, it's, it is a research project yeah. to look at. So whether whether it's done on the farm I look at or anybody yeah. listening to this, and maybe that could stimulate you know someone to look at that. But it, it is something that has seemed to happen for a few years and has been noticed so I think yeah. there's something there maybe yeah and maybe even for other crops that may experiment with this yeah it's interesting to see what will come of it it's kind of like I said you know give peas a chance <laughs> well that'll do it for this episode we're your hosts Zeke Greenside and Tom Cameron. we hope you'll join us next time and remember folks it all starts with a seed